Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Man, I'm happy to be in church. Are you glad you came to church today? It really is. It makes a difference. Uh, I'm just kind of getting myself set up, as you can see. Um, for those of you who do not know, Pastor Lindsay, music guy, senior associate, um, our pastor is in Nebraska, and he is at a church called Mercy City, and they are really, we're close to them, have a great relationship with them, and so he's there ministering, and uh, I was told that he had one of the most powerful ministry times of his entire ministry, probably of the last several, several years, that he had a moment, was it on Friday night? Wow. He said in the last 20 years, which is saying a lot for a man who's been here, we've been here 33 years, he's been in ministry for 40, he had one of the most powerful ministry times he's ever had in the last 20-something years. So uh, I'm just so excited that God is moving, come on, through this, yes, yes, through this house and other places and other locations. And uh, just really grateful for the vision and the ministry that's here. Uh, I will say this as well. For me, I never take lightly the opportunity to bring the word. And typically, there's always something that God kind of will drop in my heart or my spirit as we're getting set up. I am going to be starting the series, the new series, which you can see behind me is called Gather. And I think it's very significant, the timing. I did have to kind of laugh at the graphic, though, because uh, that don't look like my, my tables. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is there a chocolate face somewhere in there? This, so, <laughs> but but we're going to gather. We're going to gather all, all the while. Give it up for our graphics team, by the way. They are amazing. I'm just joking with them, but uh, they do such an, an incredible job. But we're talking about gathering this month, and I thought it was significant, especially the timing of everything. I don't know if you're like me, but is anybody aware that like Christmas starts July 5th? <laughs> I mean, like trees are up and, and the, the decorations are going. I'm just like, God Almighty, give us a little time to acclimate. But I think it's so important because as we come into this season of gathering, we're going to be with a lot of family. You're going to be doing stuff that you don't necessarily do all the time. And I think it's super significant that we understand the why behind our what. So that's what we're going to be leaning into this month. We're going to go to the book of Acts. And if you notice... I brought my B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. And I brought it, and I don't know, I just want to kind of encourage you, maybe, maybe this will be a reminder for some of you, but I realized that my retention rate of the word seems to be stronger when I can look at a physical thing. I don't know if you're like me, but if I'm reading and I'm doing my devotionals, I get them online, I use that, I, use, I love technology, so I'm not anti-technology. But I found that a lot of times if I'm in the middle of my devotional, especially if I don't put the do not disturb sign on my stuff, then, you know, you're getting texts, you're getting emails, you're getting stuff, and it can kind of pull you away. So I realized, I said, Lord, for this next season, I'm going to try to go back to my physical Bible. And it's really neat. I also remembered or found out that a lot of times my retention for me with the physical Bible, I, sometimes I may not necessarily know the address, but I can remember like it's on the left page, right in the third column down. Anybody like that? It's like yellow. It's, I know it's highlighted here. And so it's just been life to me to go back to the Bible. So we're going to be looking at today Acts chapter 2, which is where we're going to start. And thank God somebody brought me some new readers. 
One of my favorite people told me, she said, Pastor Lindsay, you are way too young and cool to have those old man readers you got. So I said, I said, yes, ma'am. Thank you for some new ones. All right, so Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 40 is where we're going to look. It says, and within and with many others, other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Those who had gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, somebody say that day. That day, day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Say fellowship. Fellowship. We're going to lean into that as well. In the breaking of bread and in prayer. Then the fear of God, the, the awe of God came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together. All who believed were together. They were gathered. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all uh, as everyone needed. So continuing, somebody say daily. Daily. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having faith and favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church, say daily, Daily, those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you that you are indeed the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. Thank you that you don't wane, you don't fail, you don't change. And God, you're consistent. You're consistently healing, setting people free, delivering. You are consistently drawing us back to hope and faith. Lord, expectation, we thank you for your presence in this room right now. And also, God, right now, I just pray for Pastor Richard. Let's just pray for him. Father, we pray for our pastor. Lord, even as he was dealing with a little bit of stuff in his throat and his voice, God, I ask you to strengthen his physical voice. Let it be strong. Let it be stronger than it's been, God. Let him feel clear and clarity, but also let there continue to be a clearness in the spirit with what he says. God, let the word of the Lord penetrate the hearts of the people. And God, as always, I yield myself, my tongue, my thoughts to you, and we welcome you to this place in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. So we're going to be looking at this, this theme of gather. Just by definition, gather means to come or bring together, to assemble or accumulate. And I love this one. It says gathered is to take in from scattered places or sources, to take in from scattered places or sources. It also means to assemble one's thoughts, emotions, or strength for a purpose. In other words, you know, when you're in the middle of something, and sometimes you got to just take a moment and gather yourself. I love that concept because how many of you know we live in a chaotic world? There are people that are scattered everywhere. There's all kinds of thoughts. There's lots of opinions. There's lots of stuff that we have to deal with that we're bombarded by, that we're inundated with and by in our lives. And so I think this concept of gathering is so significant. Again, I'm just kind of setting up the month. We have some really cool surprises for you as we move on. But um, as I set it up today, I can say that on, I can probably in, on one hand, maybe not even need the full hand, I can count the number of times where I've had a significant moment and a moment that was so significant for me that it not just changed the situation that I was in, but it actually began to change the trajectory of my life. I have a handful of those times. And I felt like as we're coming into this season, 
I'm, I'm really just beginning to dig into something, but I feel like, boy, this might be another one of those times where God is significantly challenging me and changing something and shifting something in my heart and my mind. So this was way back in, back in the 1900s when I was in college. <laughs> I love saying that. It was the 1900s. Way back in the 1900s when I was in college at Oral Roberts University, uh, I remember, for those of you who may not know, that's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's like it used to be the Mecca, the capital of so much spiritual stuff happening. And I was a student at Oral Roberts University. And I had like 20-something credit hours. So I had a lot of classes. I had a lot going on. And then also, I was working part-time at Walmart as a cashier. And so, right, and so I didn't have a whole lot of extra time. I do remember that in those days, this is just an aside, but I remember I could get my lunch for $3.33. It was two small cheeseburgers, a small fry, a soda, and an apple pie from McDonald's right across the street. (laughs) $3.33. And that was my lunch when I would do it, but, but I just remember I was so busy that I didn't want to spend a whole lot of extra time going to extra stuff. I had a great roommate who we became good friends, still friends to this day, still Facebook and what up, Demo. He had a big old high top fades and big old lips, and the dude was just cool. Like he was, he was cool people, man. And so me and Demo used to hang out, and he's like, he's like, yo, Lindsay. He, I was about to say PL, I wasn't PL yet. He's like, hey, Lindsay, let's just come with me. There's this event they're having, and I didn't know what it was, but it was the Azusa Street Revival. They were having these services in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And it was crazy. It was like all these different people that came speaking, and Carlton Pearson was the main guy. Um, But I tell the story because of this. So that night, he kind of drug me down there. It was a Thursday night, the middle of the week. I was tired, didn't want to go. And the choir started singing and doing what they were doing, and it was an awesome atmosphere. But I remember they handed it over like two hours later, by the way, (laughs) to the guest speaker. It was like a long praise and worship time. But they handed it over to this guest speaker, and this short little dude with uh, like a, a small semi-afro, he had a real big old bushy goatee, and he just kind of walked across the stage, this short little guy, and I'm like, oh, Lord, I came out on a Thursday night to hear this dude. So I'm, I'm profiling, thinking, I don't know what's going to happen. And Dr. Miles Monroe opened up his mouth and changed my life. He started speaking something that resonated so deeply in this 19-year-old young man who was trying to figure out, like, what's the next season? Where am I going? What's my calling? What's my purpose? What's the destiny? He started speaking that night, and the name of the message was called The Power of Purpose. And I don't know if you can even find it anymore. I still have the cassette tapes of the message. I went out and bought the whole series, that cassette tapes, got them in a room right now to this day. And he began to speak about the power of purpose. And I took those, those tapes. And for the next probably three or four years, as I was finding my way, figuring out what God had for me to do, I took those, those tapes and I literally translated most of them in physical writing. And then I taught it in Bible school. And it was one of the things that was so significant to me. I wanted to share this with you. Because the main gist of what he said that night was, he said that everything in life has a purpose. Everything. So he talked about the specific nature of how the moon and the sun and the stars work together. 
I didn't know that. I didn't realize that the moon and the sun and the stars actually affect our weather systems, the way that they work in cohesion together. He talked about the power of just the specific nature of how God made us. When you start looking at your skin and the cells, and he went deep and talked about, do you ever think about, has anybody checked up on your spleen or your gallbladder lately? <laughs> you have a spleen and you have a gallbladder. And those things are helping move, remove toxins from your body. And I think it's your spleen that does something with your, with your blood cells. And it keeps you functioning and working. That everything has a purpose. He talked about the power of just different stuff. Like he talked about alcohol. And here's the, the quote that I want you to see most importantly. Everything has a purpose. But where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. That's a great point. He said that where purpose isn't known, then abuse is inevitable. In other words, if you don't know the why behind something, it's very easy then for us to abuse that thing, to use it improperly, to not get the full benefit of what it is that we are able to use for our purposes. Abuse is inevitable. Then I started thinking about just the specific things like people who are, who are addicted to alcohol, do you know that alcohol has really good purpose if it's used properly? Do you know that, you know, if you're taking a shot and you got to use alcohol swabs, do you know that alcohol was one of, the, one of the things that I used quite consistently for a while? It's called NyQuil. <laughs> you ever look at the contents of NyQuil? There's alcohol and NyQuil. It was something that was used, but if you don't know the purpose of it, then abuse is inevitable. You tracking with that? So marriage, same kind of thing. When you have people who are abusing each other verbally, emotionally, physically, those are just people many times who didn't understand that the beautiful part of marriage is the highest covenant that God's given us outside of our, our relationship with him. People who, don't, who are abusing those relationships don't understand that there's a purpose behind them. So then we went on and he started talking about how important it is then to tap into the why behind what it is that we're doing. As we're talking about gathering church, as we are talking, gathering, entering into this next season, finding our way in what God has, has placed on now church for this time, I want to make sure that there is an absolute understanding, revelation, and intentionality behind your understanding of us gathering. I'm going to say it again. When you're in the room, when we're in these moments, when we're together, when we have the opportunity to come in one accord, in one place, with one voice, with one sound, do you understand that we're not just trying to look for extra stuff to put on the calendar? <laughs> that there's an intentionality behind the gathering of the saints together. There's a specific level of power that can only happen in the gathering of the saints together. There's specific things that only take place when there is a unified vision, purpose. One of the things that Pastor Richard said as we're setting up the month, he said that the life of the church occurs in the gathering together. So the life of our church, it occurs in the gathering together around what? A mission, a vision, and values. Setting it up around a mission and vision and values. It's so important to know then that as we are coming together, 
with this intention, this purpose, this mission, this vision, and this value, that you are a part of this family. You're a part of a place. You're finding yourself, hopefully, as a part of a community of people with like purpose, with like intention, with like value systems. And here's the biggest thing that I want to, there's a great takeaway that I want you to get before this day is over, but one of the biggest things I saw, according to Gallup poll, it said that more than half of the world's population is experiencing severe loneliness these days. The U.S. Surgeon General recently issued an advisory on what he called our epidemic of loneliness and isolation. The New York Times opinion columnist David Brooks said that the number of people, watch this, the number of people who say that they have no close personal friendships has quadrupled in the last decade. Think of that. The number of people who say they don't have anybody that they are close with, that they can be vulnerable with, that they can share their lives with, their thoughts with, where they don't have to come in and explain themselves when they're going through something. Come on. That they, that they know somebody, that they don't have somebody who knows them when they're in their good space and so they can check you when you're in your bad space. That who knows how when you're going through something, how to lift you up, how to cover you, how to keep you, and so that you know that you're not alone. Do you know, this said, the, the poll said that that has quadrupled in the last decade. And they said that even the more expansive was during, of course, COVID. People got isolated. They drew back to themselves. They got away from certain things and activities and relationships. And it said here that because of what's happening, there's an epidemic in our country and in the world of loneliness and isolation. Why do we gather? Why are we having a whole month of a table, folks? <laughs> Why, why are we pulling this up? Because we understand that typically if we're looking at these statistics, then we're going to find some of that in the rooms that we're talking to. We just had a singles meeting a week and a half ago. I guess it was two Fridays ago. And one of the best things about that whole thing was when we were in that room, I said, hey, guys, do me a favor. Just look around you. And they looked around and they looked around and they didn't know what, what the intention was behind it. I said, I need you to look around you so that you can know when you walk into a building like this and into a church like this, because we are pro-marriage. We believe in family. We believe in relationships. We push on it. We sow on it. We, we stand for it. There's going to be another conference coming up. But I wanted them to be able to look around the room and see that you are not the only single person in this church. Do you know how sometimes it can make you feel in a scenario or season that you're in when you feel like you're the only one? If you've dealt with, and that's, that's the single issue. How about those of you who are, who, are, who are married and want to have children and can't? How about those of you who are dealing with your children who have been born to you and are away from God? How about those of you who are dealing with maybe financial stuff or physical stuff or emotional stuff? One of the greatest tactics of the enemy is trying to make you feel like you're alone, but you're not alone. That's why we gather. That's why we gather with like people. 
of like spirit, of like faith, of like heart, of like vision, of like purpose. That's why we spend the time to do what we do. That's why we have the events. That's why we built the building. That's why we have these moments of worship. That's why when I'm in here, and I've said this every time I preach, I think, but when we preach and when we praise and when we worship God, we're always going to find a moment where God can speak to somebody. Because I don't know what you dealt with walking in here today. I don't know what your issues were. But we gather because there's power in it. Now, as I'm setting up the month, let's look at this. I'll just have you write, if you're taking notes, several of the things that happen when we gather. As we look through Acts, we're going to go ahead and read that passage again. Acts chapter 42, verse 40 says, and uh, they testified. Let's jump to verse 42 for time's sake. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. Now, the definition of that word fellowship, the actual Greek word is the word koinonia. And what that means, doing some teaching this morning, it means sharing, unity, close association, partnership, um, participation, brotherhood, in the breaking of bread and in prayer. So as, the, as they continued steadfastly the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, the fear of the Lord came upon every soul and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. And I just believe that what Pastor Richard just experienced in Nebraska and what we've been seeing happening here in these services. How many of you have enjoyed, the, especially the last several weeks where the Spirit of God just been free to move? Come on, and we give him space, and, and we, we take a minute to expect that there could be miracles and signs and wonders. And we're not presumptuous about it, but we know and we understand that without his Spirit and his presence breathing in and through us, that these are just empty idle services, but oh God, if the Holy Spirit would just walk in and we give him room. And if you were broken or you were weary or you were fearful or frustrated, it's in those moments in this gathering that God pricks your heart and he changes and he and he and he causes things. And even if it didn't change in the natural, how many of you know it's important that your perspective changes on things? So that's what these moments are about. So it says here that signs and wonders happen as these people gathered together. It said, verse 45, and they sold their possessions and their goods and they divided them among all as anyone had need. In other words, this was a radical time of giving that took place during it as well. 46, so continually daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. So what that implies is that the gathering was not just in the temple, but it was also in house to house. There were groups, different sections. There were people. There were singles. There were couples. There were families with small kids. There were all of these things are a part of what the early church was built upon. I didn't say that when I started today. But this whole thing, the reason we're coming back to the foundation of it is because we're talking about the church in Acts where everything started from. So if you're going to emulate something, we want to find the thing where this thing really kicked off and jumped off. This is the OG church, right? This is the original the original church. And it said that, uh, verse 46, so they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. 47, again, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So just in, a, in summation, it says here, our gathering is for teaching and discipleship. Our gathering is for fellowship and prayer. Our gathering is to eat together and to have communion. 
Our gathering is to share our substances with each other. Our gathering as a whole church and as small groups, our gathering is about being able to praise God together. Somebody say amen. amen. Now I'm going to finish with this, and this is the thing that shifted my life recently. I've been reading a book that Pastor Richard gave us, and um, I didn't know I was actually going to preach today till last week. We were kind of shifting some stuff around. And so I'd been reading this book, reading this book, and he said, hey, just check it out, see if it's, if it's something that resonates with you. And I said, sure, I'll, I'd love to read it. And as soon as I started getting into it, I was like, oh, my God, this is God speaking directly to where I was and to where I feel like I can minister to people out of because now I've come through a season. And the name of the book is called, it's called, let me make sure I get the, the title right. The name of the book is called Healing the Orphan Spirit. It's by a guy named Leif Hetland, and I'm about three quarters of the way through now. And as I'm reading it, I'm just like, oh, my God, this makes so much sense to me now. Because basically, the premise of the book, and you can just give me your eyeballs. You don't have to write anything right now. The premise of the book is that it's, well, let me just read it so I ain't messing it up. It said here, it said, the first line of the book, I was like, all right, you got me, man. It said, since the fall of man, the orphan spirit has been at the root of much of the chaos, division, and destruction in the church and the world. Wow. <laughs> Drop the mic. I'm going to read again. Since the fall of man, he said that it's the orphan spirit that has been at the root of much of the chaos, the division, and the destruction in the church and in the world. The next part of the, of the, the, the passage said, the spirit, this spirit is a mindset that leads people to a state of heart that is rooted, that was rooted, watch this, in the moment when Adam and Eve were separated from union by God with, because of their sin. It says, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain it in a minute. It says, the answer to the orphan spirit is the spirit of adoption. Somebody say adoption. Oh, I've said this before, but man, if you are an adopted child, you know how special you are? If you are an adopted child, do you know how awesomely special you are? Because I didn't get to choose who my parents were, but they chose you. They picked you. I didn't get to decide that I was going to be five foot eight on a good day. With heels on, <laughs> flat feet. I didn't get to make those choices. <laughs> but they chose you. So it said here, now I lost my place. It said, uh, it said the answer to the orphan spirit is the spirit of adoption uh, by which we have the, the spirit of sonship. Father God is waiting for his sons and daughters to understand who they are and to be co-heirs that he created them to be. Now track with me. Give me your eyeballs. This is really good. This is really good. Because watch. Watch. So, so he goes back, right? And I'm going to give you the spoiler. So I'm just telling you about the book. And you can still read it if you want to. But the spoiler is, he says, okay, so the devil, the enemy of your soul, was the first one who was an orphan. And here's what he says. He says that. Because of, we know the story, right? The sin and the defiance and the rebellion and the, the, you know, all the stuff that got him booted out of heaven. 
We say he got booted out of heaven, but the truth is he chose out of heaven. God didn't want him to mess up. He didn't want him to decide that he thought that the third of the angels could go with him and he could be like God. No, he chose his way out of heaven. So it says that, and I never, I, I was like, man, this is great revelation. Because what he said is, when Lucifer, y'all remember the scripture in Luke where it says, I saw Satan cast like lightning from heaven. His name was Lightbearer. I teach all this stuff in Bible school. But, but it said that when he, left, when he left his place or when he was kicked out of heaven or removed from heaven, that whole concept that he's been trying to have you walk in is a loss of sonship. A loss of being connected to the Father. Does that make sense? Is that as good to you as it is to me? Okay. I want to make sure because it's like really good. It, it, he's saying that ultimately his whole intention is to make you be like he was. So since he's not with the father anymore, since he's not in heaven, since he's not an heir to the promises and the things that belonged to him at one point, then it does his heart happy to see you outside of the family of God. <laughs> he wants you to be an orphan. He wants to, his biggest thing is to keep you then from gathering in a place where God's presence is, where Father, Papa, Abba, where Daddy is. Does that make sense? So that's been his whole, his whole strategy from the beginning of time. I never knew that. Do you know that the whole, let me settle down. Do you know, <laughs> I got a whole other service to do. Do you know that the, the, the whole thing with, with, with Adam and Eve, right, and having her sin and do her thing, it was all about getting them to choose something that was going to defy and remove them from God's presence. Good. Man, like literally everything. So all the stuff that you're dealing with. He goes in and he starts talking about how then when you sin, because remember when Adam and Eve sinned, what was the first thing that they did? They took the tweeds and the tweeds, not the tweeds. What they take? The, the twigs. Thanks, Norm. It's the tweeds. <laughs> Is that where tweed came from? They took the twigs. They took the branches. And remember, they tried to cover up, right? <laughs> I need to slow down. I'm messing myself up. So they, t they took the branches and they tried to cover up their, sh their sin. Why? Their sin, I said. <laughs> Ooh, I need to really slow down. <laughs> that sounded like something that it didn't mean to sound like. <laughs> but they were trying to cover that too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, 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 so Adam and Eve... So, so, sin, so check this out in our terms. So what sin did was what? It caused shame. And then what does shame do? It caused you to cover up. And then when they cover up, what happens is then they're removed from the presence of God. Do you know how many times I see that in the church? You messed up. You don't feel worthy. Whatever you did last night, last week, last month, the relationship you came out of, the broken places you were, the stuff that you don't want anybody to see on Twitter, 
All the things that we walk through. Do you know how many times we see that year after year, person after person, people after people, scenario after scenario, they mess up, they sin, they fall into shame, and then they pull themselves where? Out of the presence of God. When you are without your father, you are a orphan. Is it an orphan? You are an orphan. Either one. Y'all know what I meant. So when you're an orphan, then you're not a son and daughter to the heirs and the promises, and it's this vicious cycle that he walks people through. Mind blown. So this whole concept that what we're talking about in the gathering, when you're with your father and you understand who your father is, see, here's the other part of this. This is not just about people who didn't have a natural dad or whatever else or you had whatever your relationships are. Do you know how many orphans I walk around seeing in the house of God? And I know it like I know my name. And I've never always been able to fully identify why you feel so unworthy that you keep going back into a cycle of stuff that's pulling you further and further and further and further away from God. I was like, oh, they're an orphan. Oh, they're an orphan. They don't know that the father loves them unconditionally. They don't realize that just because you messed up and you walked away maybe from the presence and the blessing of God, they forget that there's something called the prodigal in the Bible. You know, I just had a conversation last week with somebody, this precious lady at my gym. And boy, that's been just the greatest scenario to me, I'm telling you, over and over again. And she was just so distraught because she's dealing with this whole thing where she's like, man, did I mess up? Was it me? I, I, why, is, why is my child away from God? And why is he not serving? And why is he, why is he being the way he is? I said, well, there's a story of the prodigal. And they were both raised in the same house with the same parents, with the same opportunities, with the same opportunities to make choices. And that spirit that tries to attach itself to people and pull you out of the covering. And I feel like that's for somebody in this room today. If you did the best you knew to do as unto God. And you planted seeds in your children's heart and you, spot, you taught them the word and you spoke over them and you did the best you knew to do. The word of God does not return void, people. And even if that kid or that child or that loved one is away and in the pig pen of hell right now, I pray the conviction of God over them. I pray the memory of, of, of the presence of God, the memory of the moments of God that they, that they had, that somehow they'll be drawn back to that. But I thought about this whole orphan spirit. And again, I don't have time. I'm done almost. But boy, when you realize then that you are no longer an orphan, that you have then, in fact, been adopted. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. This is all I have left. Romans chapter 8, verse 12 has always been one of my favorite scriptures. It says, therefore, then, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit, 
No. We're good. Everybody's looking at me like, is he okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I wanted to read it in my Bible. That's why I'm, that's why I'm messing up. In my physical Bible says, page is falling out. I've been using this sucker. That's why. All red. See it? Look at that little norm. See that, bro? You got a, you got a good Bible? What kind of Bible you use? Yeah. Okay, my man. That's just an aside, y'all. Uh, verse 12 in Romans chapter 8, it says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to deeds, you put to, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Here it is. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, you are what? Y'all been reading this the whole time up here, haven't you? I'm struggling, got pages falling out and stuff. Go ahead and put it up, please. For, for you, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but you received what? The spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Daddy. That's what that is. Daddy, Abba. God made it so easy, by the way. His name, Abba, that is literally one of the first things that a child can say. Abba, 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 right? You're talking about his daddy. For you would not have seen the spirit of Abba. Verse, next verse says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Yes, and if you are his children, then you are what? Heirs. And if you are heirs of God, then you are what? Join heirs with Christ. And if indeed you suffer with him, Christ, then we may also be, that we may also be glorified together with him. Come on, somebody say amen to that. You're a child of God. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You are not an orphan. You are not lost. You are not outside of the circle of heaven. As we're moving toward this new season, I got to finish, but it started to make sense to me. Why are we fighting so hard to get that building done? We had secular, non-spiritual people tell us that it's been one of the hardest projects for them to walk people through the resistance that we have had has been unearthly i'm gonna say that specifically y'all we don't get up and cry about it and complain about it every week but i started thinking about the whole concept of that space is for gathering we've had people ask well where's your new auditorium right here you're in it you're in, the, you're, you're in the new auditorium. You are in the fellowship, you're not the fellowship space, you are in the worship center space right now. We have two services. If we need three, we'll go to it. But that space over there is supposed to be set up for gathering of adopted sons and daughters, of kids, of the next generation, of singles groups where they can look around the room and know that you're not by yourself. There may be, I don't know if we'll have groups for moms and Babies, and I don't know what all we have planned. Moms and babies, I don't know what all is planned, but I just know that that space has been fought by the enemy because he doesn't want you gathering. And he wants you feeling like you're on the outside looking in. And like you are not worthy of God's goodness to you and his grace to you. 
and his mercy to you and his presence in you. I sense him in this room right now. Thank you, God, we're adopted. I'm an heir. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to sin. Right? I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to sin. Oh, I am a child of God. I'm going to pray for some of you with the few moments I have. Because I had an identity crisis forever. Figuring out the dad thing, da-da-da-da-da. And I feel like that's so far removed because I know who I am. I know who he is in me. I know who he's called me to be. But I know that every room I've ever been in, there are orphans. There are orphans. There are people who don't feel like you earn or deserve what God has available for you. And we're going to shift that in the name of Jesus. Oh, yeah. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you, Lord. Play the chorus for me, if you would, of the same song, of the last one, same God. Go and bow your heads. We're going to pray with the time we have left. Father, I thank you for this moment. And I thank you for simple revelations that help us see what the plans of the enemy are. But we know <laughs> that the devil plays chess not checkers he's looking long haul long term trying to get your sons and daughters to forget who they are in you or to feel the shame of sin and failure and regret that also pulls them out away from the presence of God and causes them to be exposed like sitting ducks God I thank you for your presence in this room with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I know that there's folks here today, so I'm going to pray for you real quickly. But if you've been in the room, and it doesn't matter necessarily about your natural fatherly scenario, but if you identify with that concept of sin or whatever that has pulled you away in your heart from the covering of God, pulled you away from the expectation that His goodness and His grace and His promises belong to you, if you feel unworthy, if you feel like you're fighting an uphill battle, if you feel like you're on the outside looking in when you come in these moments and you're just desperate for God to tell you and remind you that you are his son and daughter, if that is you, and I know you're here today, lift your hands. I'm going to pray for you. Who are you? I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you in the back. I see you over there. I see you on the side. I see you all over the building. I see you in the booth. I see you. Now, Father, I thank you that you've called us your sons and your daughters. And I thank you, God, that every strategy of the enemy to keep us from gathering in a place where there's protection and peace and joy and hope and love, all the stuff, the resentment, the, re the regret, all the things that try to limit them from access to the promises as heirs, I break that now in the name of Jesus. I speak to that and I speak to you and I say you are a son and you are a daughter. 
You are an heir. You are one who is worthy of the promises of God. And there's nothing too big, too wide, too strong that can separate you from the power of his love and his presence. And Lord, I pray that for every person that's got those hands lifted. And may this be a season of shifting, maybe even in their lives, their hearts, and their ways of thinking. In Jesus' name, keep your heads bowed. Maybe you're in the room and you don't know Jesus. This is not a suggestion. This is telling you that in the name of Jesus, now is your moment. If you don't know him, if you've not committed your heart, your life, your thoughts, your, your all that you are to him and ask him to forgive you of sins and take away the stuff and really to come and live and dwell in your heart. If that's you today, quickly lift up your hands. I'm going to pray for you. If you're in the building, I see you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I see you. I see you. Thank you, God. That's why we do what we do. If every person in the room could just say this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for allowing me to be your son or your daughter. Thank you, God, that I'm a joint heir. I'm a co-heir of the promises. And I receive the promise of forgiveness, of cleansing, of salvation, and of freedom. And I thank you now for being my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. We're done. Hey, but I'm, I'm uh, just stay, stay in that atmosphere. Hey, Randy and Kathy, come here. <laughs> Please. I'm going to do it. Because I said, if they're in this room, I'm praying for them today. Ushers, come over if somebody help if you would. Uh, Y'all don't know this. And I don't know if they would want me to tell, but I'm telling. So I was raised, born and raised in Sioux City, Iowa. And I lived on what was called the west side of town for us. You guys lived in Morningside, wasn't it? And I don't know if you guys realize, but we, we ended up going. I was born and raised in a small, like all black gospel church. Dun, 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 dun. Then I was like 11, 12. I came to y'all's church, to Cornerstone. And... Everything in my life shifted. So much of what I'm doing today happened during that season of life for me. And you guys may not realize it, but I was a kid. I was a kid with no dad. I was a kid who had to pray that my car would get me to, to and from church. <laughs> Remember? And they would, they would invite me over. You had me over for lunch and stuff after services and stuff. I don't know if you realize those seeds you sowed into this young orphan meant more than you can even imagine. I always felt like I was moving on up when I went to your house. And so they're transitioning. They're here. I don't know what your full story is. We need to have lunch at some point soon. And I'll get your story. But I wanted to publicly thank you for what God did through you in this young little 16, 15, 14 year old orphan boy. Yeah. So they're here now, and I don't know, I don't know if you're gonna stay, if you're gonna be for a minute, I don't know. They stopped by and they said they loved what God was doing and excited about certain things, but I'm gonna pray for you. And I'm gonna believe that God, I'm gonna come to the floor, team, is that all right? Right? And uh, I'm just going to pray the blessing and vision and direction for this next season for you. Could you guys stretch your hands toward this beautiful couple? 
Father, I thank you for the Sprague's. I thank you for Randy and for Kathy, and I thank you for the blessing that they were, the way that you used them to minister to a young kid who just needed family, who needed gathering, who found himself in a scenario that he never dreamed about being in, but God, you did it, and you brought the right people because I gathered, because I had connected my heart to a house and to a church and to a vision. You never let me be orphaned, God. You always brought me the right people at the right time. So now I pray for Randy and Kathy, and I pray that the Spirit of God and the vision of God and the direction of heaven for this next season of their lives, God, would be clear now. Make it clear. What do you have for them? What do you have for them in this season? What is the calling, the purpose, the destiny, the impartation, the releasing of the gifts that are in them? What is it you want to do in them and through them? God, this is not a coincidence that they happen to find now, church, in this time. So we bless them in the villages. We bless their next season. And we thank you, God. Let the blessing of heaven for everything that they sowed, even unaware to this young man. Lord, let it be reciprocated now. Let them receive your spirit. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm sweaty, but I love you, and I'm going to hug you. Oh, yeah, he's super affectionate. He just kissed me on the cheek. I remember that, too. Yeah, man. Did you get anything out of that today? Come on. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.